Radio. The Way of Beauty. A talk by Madeline Vella. Given at the Restore Weekend in Hobart, Tasmania. Okay, thanks Jamil. Um, appreciate the introduction, but really just want to clarify something. <laughs> it's all okay. This is um, not really female perspective. The way of beauty is for everyone. Okay, from me speaking. Okay, awesome. Then, no, I stand corrected. So that's, just want to clarify that this is not just for women. It's for everyone, for humanity, this idea of the way of beauty. And this is probably my favorite topic to speak on or to, to study or anything. I've just been fascinated by this topic for years. Um, and... There are times I get so excited about beauty that I feel like my heart's going to burst. Um, so hopefully you'll experience some of that today. But I hope that you know this next hour that we spend together is a. I want you to see it as a journey. Okay, so I'll kind of walk you through some of these concepts. But for a lot of you, you probably haven't heard some of this stuff before. And if you have, you've probably never looked at it in light of the theology of the body. So the way of beauty is a way of understanding. Theology of the Body and our humanity and some of the key themes in Theology of the Body. So are you ready? Yes, yes I'm excited. Are you excited? Yes. Good. Okay. So first I thought we'd start with a prayer and we can, I'll just read this out and you can meditate, meditate on it. And I really encourage you to ponder these words in your heart. Okay. So really, again, this is following on from Simon's talk. We're really delving into the depths of the desires of our heart. Okay, so in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Late have I loved you, O beauty, so ancient and so new. Late have I loved you. For behold, you were within me, and I outside. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me, and I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. Lord, we just ask you to be with us in this time together. Lord, take away our fear. Don't let us be afraid of our desires. And hold our hand, guide us, be with us as we really listen to the cry of our heart, as we really delve into discovering why you created us and where our true home is. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. What a prayer. What a prayer by St. Augustine one of the church fathers, um, oh, sorry, not church, doctors of the church. So who is he talking to? And remember, we have the right context for this word erotic, but it is quite an erotic prayer, isn't it? Remember that in the, the purified sense. Who is he talking to? God, right? Look at this language. This is a man who is in touch with his desires. This is a man who understands the ache. Ache for the what? Ache for the infinite. Okay, you know that, that feeling that, that someone was saying this morning, that, that sense of emptiness? Okay, that's an invitation to contemplate the ache that we have for heaven. And St. Augustine 
understands this. And if you want more of that, his book, Confessions. Um, But beautiful prayer. So this idea of beauty, how did I come to really want to discover this? Well, I heard this quote about five years ago by a Russian novelist named Fyodor Dostoevsky. I think that's how you say it. Um, Beauty will save the world. And immediately, I never really contemplated beauty, what it was, never heard of this guy before. But when I heard these words, they pierced my heart. Beauty will save the world. And I thought, what does that mean? Like, firstly, what is beauty and how can it save the world? And I think there is so much truth to this. And philosophers and medieval scholars and saints and mystics have been contemplating beauty since man first started writing, okay? Plato has amazing writings on on just his wrestling with what is beauty and how it captivates the human heart. So this idea that beauty will save the world, it really struck me. And I want you to keep this in your minds as we, as we journey through. Understand, trying to think about what is beauty. You know, as we delve into this, we have to understand that it's a journey. Okay, so we're on a journey together. Okay, so pack your backpacks and buckle up because we're going on a journey for the next hour. And we're going to really contemplate this. So like I said, you may have heard some of this stuff before. You may never have heard it. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to just receive it. If something doesn't make sense, don't worry about it. Just just receive whatever the Lord wants to kind of give you in this hour of understanding this idea and this concept of beauty because I've been wrestling this for, for many, many years and there is so much um, out there on, on this topic. So don't be afraid to wrestle with it and to just receive whatever whatever hits you. So here is a quote um, from, a doc, from a church document on the way of beauty, okay? I haven't learned how to say this yet, so I'm sorry, but that is Latin for the way of beauty, okay? <laughs> Does anyone have a go at it? <coughs> yeah, I, I've, got, I've got to learn the right pronunciation. I don't want to embarrass myself. So um, let's have a look at this. The way of beauty replies to the intimate desire for happiness that resides in the heart of every person. Let's pause. I think we can all understand and grasp that, that we all have a desire and a longing to be happy, okay, for happiness. Opening infinite horizons, it prompts the human person to push outside of himself from the routine of the, sorry, I'm still learning that word too, (laughs) ephemeral passing instant to the transcendent and mystery, okay? So from like the temporary into the, trans, into the transcendent, okay? So from the, the finite to the infinite. And seek as the final goal of the ultimate quest for well-being and total nostalgia this original beauty, which is God himself, creative or creative beauty. So to sum that up, it's saying that the way of beauty implies that we're in touch with this desire for happiness and that we it moves us. That is the catalyst that moves us from Today into forever, okay, from the infinite, sorry, from the finite to the infinite, from here and now to eternity, okay, so there is power in this beauty and it's directing us to understand that beauty, capital B, beauty is God himself, okay, God is beauty, Um, creator of all creator beauty, I love that. So just to kind of open up a little bit about this, this journey, this explore, exploration that we're on. 
So I want to come straight to this point now at the beginning of the talk and then revisit it at the end. What does beauty have to do with theology of the body? Now, we've unpacked theology of the body a little bit. There's going to be much, much of more of that tomorrow. But essentially, the theology of the body is about understanding our identity and our vocation as humans, okay, and the purpose of um, our sexuality and, and how we can love authentically. So the link is that it allows us to see beauty in God's creation. And we have to understand that men and women are created um, by God, from love and for love, and we are the pinnacle of God's creation. So all of God's created world has meaning and purpose, and it's beautiful, okay? So understanding, having appreciation for God's created beauty allows us to contemplate and delve deeper into the mystery and the beauty of ourselves and the other. It helps us to unite our senses and desires to the divine. So Right now, all of you need to pause and make sure that all your senses are opened. Okay? Your sense, your sight. Okay? I'm not going to, I don't have samples to smell or anything, but just open up your senses. Okay? Your ears. God speaks to us in all different ways. Okay? So we have to have our senses opened. And I can't remember what saint said it, but um, this particular saint said that a mystic is someone who has their senses open to God. Okay, so we're ready to receive. Beauty in sacrifice. We have to understand that there is beauty to self-sacrifice, okay, and making a gift of ourselves. And we'll delve into all of these themes, so don't worry. And the theology of the body is essentially about human love, identity, and vocation. And there is that links to this idea of the way of beauty as well. So hopefully I can unpack all of that for you over the next um, hour. So has anyone heard of a transcendental or the three main transcendentals that we talk about in relation to the faith? Um, A transcendental is basically, just to put it simply, a path to God, okay, or something that inspires us to draw closer to God. Um, Typically, we say the three transcendentals are truth, goodness, and beauty, okay? So we can, um, it has been said by some, um, some saints and and theologians that everyone kind of has a primary transcendental, so something that really grasps them, okay? So um, I would say my transcendental is beauty. That's how I feel like God kind of speaks to me in the highest form, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not inspired and drawn closer to God when I participate in acts of charity or I see um, a person showing compassion to someone else, like like a good work or something. I also feel drawn to God when I learn apologetics or learn more about the faith and, and all of that, okay? So it's how he kind of grabs us in a sense. So I want you to, I want to pose a question to you. What do you think your transcendental is? How do you think God speaks to you or what grabs you, okay? Um, now, I love this. Who's heard of Bishop Robert Barron? Yeah, a a couple of you. So he's an American bishop, and he says lead with beauty. So there's three transcendentals, but lead with beauty. And why do I think beauty is so crucial at this point, especially in our culture? It's because everyone has their own truth now. No one wants to believe that there is one truth, right? So it's, it's harder to engage in that dialogue. It's harder to present Christ through truth. Goodness. 
well, you know, everyone has their own version of what is good and how people should be treated and, and all of that. But beauty can't lie. Beauty cannot lie. Um, and beauty captivates the heart in a way that arguably I, I think that truth and goodness just can't. Beauty, it, true beauty pierces the human heart and directs it outside of itself, beyond if some of this is not making complete sense right now, don't worry. It's okay. It's, 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 we're not used to thinking like this. Another quote to help us. Beauty disarms. It is irresistible for contemporary men and women. Okay, so like I said, beauty can't lie. We can't argue with it. Okay, now what do I mean by beauty? Let's have a closer look. Now this is a um, beautiful painting by Vermeer. Okay, we're going to look at some art, some nature, all of those things. So... We're going to really appeal to our senses. Now, this is an image. Does anyone know what this image... Oh, it says it down the bottom. There's no point asking. <laughs> it's an image of Christ in the home of Mary and Martha. Okay, so I want to use this image to kind of invite us more and, and get us more ready to contemplate these things. So a few things that we can draw from this image. Okay, now, I'm sure we all know this story in the Gospel where we've got Martha and Mary. Martha's doing, Mary's being. Okay, remember those two key themes? Martha's doing, Mary's being. So we need to be still because we're not used to thinking about these things. We're not used to delving into the deepest desires of our hearts. We need to be still and we need to not be afraid of what God's going to reveal to us about ourselves and about um, himself, okay? We need to echo that cry, that prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, Lord, who are you and who am I? Lord, who are you and who am I? So we need to be still. We need to quieten our hearts so that we can hear God. He speaks in the silence. Ask yourself, do you have a Martha, Martha complex going on? Do you always have to be doing? Are you always running around? Are you, your, your mind flooded with noise? And are you always distracted about what you've got to do? Okay, I know I am. I definitely have this Martha, Martha complex. It's very hard for me to stop and be still. But it's so important. Um. Sorry, Thomas Merton said the biggest disease in North America is busyness. Okay, and I think I would just replace North America with Australia. Okay, the biggest disease is busyness. Why? Because it distracts us from who we are. And that's why there's so much crisis in, in our culture. God speaks in the silence. Beauty is a language of the heart. So it's more about being still so that we can hear this language rather than about doing and trying to, to, to um, grasp it, just receive it. Wonderful quote from St. John Paul II. I love quotes, by the way, if you hadn't noticed. They really, I don't know, they just, they, they speak so much. Ours is a time of continual movement, which often leads to restlessness. With the risk of doing for the sake of doing, we must resist this temptation by trying to be before trying to do. So again, this thing, let's be, don't focus too much on doing, even with receiving this, okay? That's why I'm trying to, I'm, har I'm harping on this. Just receive, just, just be and let the Lord speak to you through this um, transcendental of beauty. Okay, now look at this beautiful image here of a leaf. Who's ever studied a leaf before? couple of you good that means you're, you're you're looking at at nature and you're 
you know, reveling in its beauty. Now, what does a leaf speak to you? Have you ever thought of that before? Come on now, Samuel, leaf studier. Has a leaf ever spoken to you? No? Do I sound like a crazy person right now? Probably. Each Just one's different. Each one is different. Did you know that? Every single leaf, it's like got its own fingerprint. God has a lot of time on his hands, right? Yeah, he's got forever. So he's got, he, can, he can create a new leaf whenever he wants. But amazing. Now, what does this speak to me? I see a leaf and I'm like, look at the symmetry in it. Did you know if you actually measured the symmetry of a leaf, it's like identical? Like it's perfect. Okay, now think about that. The perfection that God puts into creating a leaf. Imagine, listen to how nature's speaking. Imagine the care and the precision in which he created you. Okay, now this also speaks to like the nature of God. The fact that he can be so ordered and so unique, yet a leaf amongst a whole branch, it's like a wild, crazy mess, right? Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? You know, it's like, oh, on the outside I have everything perfect, everyone thinks I've got it all together, but inside I'm like a crazy mess and if anyone saw me, they wouldn't really love me. Lie, okay? We can't be afraid to be vulnerable and God is revealing this all the time to us. Now, this is a quote. The quote, next quote that's coming up is not to put us down in any way, shape, or form. It's to totally lift us up and to help us understand the complete dignity and unconditional love that God has for us. In a sense, our whole lives are useless because God doesn't need us. He doesn't. He created us out of pure love. Now, when I saw this quote, it totally hit me because I spend my life trying to be someone, you know, trying to be successful and, you know, live up to this person's expectations and, you know, there's so much pressure on us to be perfect, okay? But in the end, none of it matters. Fulfilling our call, our vocation which is essentially to get to heaven is what truly matters. Okay, so I hope, you know, you're kind of on this path with me now um, of just realising that understanding this way of beauty is about understanding and learning how to journey with Christ and trying to listen to how he's speaking to us through this transcendental. Now, God has imprinted himself on every aspect of nature, we just got to look for it. Now, I remember I took this photo of my backyard a few months ago and it's when I was sitting down having breakfast and um, I got up early and I thought, I'm going to sit outside and watch the sunrise. And it's like God just slapped me in the face this morning. And I realized that every single morning imprinted in nature is a reminder of the sacrifice that God gave us, the sacrifice of his son. The sun rises. Is anyone having like a aha uh-huh moment? Like when this hit me, I just, I just sat there and cried. I was like, how have I never seen this? I'm 25 years old and I've never noticed that every morning God reminds me that the sun rose for me and for you. He's, oh, I've got goosebumps. Sorry, as in his moment. Like he has imprinted himself everywhere to remind us of his love for us. 
okay? Please, if you haven't done it, go outside and pick up, not right now, listen to the talk, but go outside and pick up a leaf or study the, the trunk of a tree and just, just think, Lord, like you created this and you created me. He doesn't need any of it. It's his love. And he reminds us of it. Like, oh, I think we could just sit and stare at this for the rest of the talk. What do you think? Just there's so much in that. If he didn't speak to you, don't worry. Okay? He speaks to us all differently. Um, just want to invite you. Just allow this torrent of beauty to wash over you. Now, this is some, a very important lesson that I learned. I was really trying to wrestle with this idea of beauty and what does it mean and I want to understand it. Truth is, it's so infinite, we can't possibly understand it all. Um, but just let it wash over you. And who is the torrent of beauty? God. Just let him, just let this truth, this message wash over you, this way of beauty, and just take whatever he wants to give you. Okay? Who loves, like, nature, right? Look, you're sitting on a beach or something. Yeah? Beautiful, right? Beautiful. Got the calmness of the ocean and then the wildness. Okay, think about that. This is all, everything around us has meaning. Everything was created with a purpose, except mosquitoes. I haven't figured out their purpose yet. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I, had a, I saw um, a friend of mine put up a quote the other day about his little, little son, and he said um, that mosquitoes are the devil split into a thousand pieces. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny, like this little eight-year-old's understanding of a mosquito. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some beauty in them. I just, I just have to pray about it a little bit more. But um, anyway, so going a little bit deeper with this concept of beauty, okay? So typically we use, a, it's like love. It's so used so often, okay? We can describe something as looking beautiful or something as being beautiful, Okay, so for example, I'm going to use Jamil. Jamil looks beautiful today. Okay, what have I done? I've described her exterior. Okay, how is this different? Jamil is a beautiful person. I'm describing her interior. Nothing wrong with the two. It's just showing us that the second one, the way I've described Jamil, is showing us that there is a depth to beauty. It goes beyond the surface. It goes beyond the exterior. Okay, so we have to understand essentially what it means. And also, too, there's been a lot of debate um, among scholars for, for centuries about whether or not beauty is subjective or objective. Okay, so you've heard the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Probably some of you have heard that. Okay, well, really the Catholic perspective is that beauty is both and. It is both subjective and objective. Okay, so you are all beautiful objectively because you are made in the image and likeness of God there is no question about that okay but I might think that um I don't know a particular smell is beautiful and you might not okay and that's where the subjective comes in so it is very philosophical and, and hard to explain, and I don't claim to know everything about this, but I just think it's important that we think about how we're using this idea of beauty. How are we using it to describe things? Is everything making sense so far? You're all okay? I know it's heavy stuff and it's new, um, but it's, it's essential. Like, I hope you're understanding beauty. There's actually something here. It's not this fluffy idea. Like, it is so, um, so essential 
So we can look at it in different ways, but it's all of these, okay? It's interior, exterior, subjective, and objective, okay? Um, by the way, I think Simon is objectively and subjectively beautiful. <laughs> and, yeah, interiorly and exteriorly. So we can have a combination, right? A whole combination in different ways that we understand and react to beauty. Okay. <laughs> We're getting through the quotes, all right? They're good. They're, help, they're helping us. They're stimulating these thoughts. Pope Benedict. Now, you might be surprised to know that St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis have all written extensively on the need for beauty, especially Pope Benedict. Okay, so this is not just some idea that only the female saints talk about. No, it's like this is, this is huge. This is, this is just as important as truth and goodness. Authentic beauty unlocks, okay, that language unlocks the yearning of the human heart, the profound desire to know, to love, to go towards the other. Remember what um, someone was saying, for those of you who were here last night, about the rocket engine, okay, being inverted, okay? Beauty allows us to look beyond ourselves, okay, and to direct those, that, that, those desires towards the good of the other or towards God to reach for the beyond. Okay, so that's Pope Benedict on beauty. It unlocks the yearning of the human heart. That's something that can't be looked over. That's important. Okay, so now we've gotten to a little bit of a descent, but then we're going to come back up, so don't worry. But we need to look at this. We need to dispel the culture of ugliness. Now that's quoted from Pope Benedict he spoke about this culture of ugliness um, and look at how the beauty has been distorted in our culture so that we can redeem it and realign it, okay? Just like our sexual desires. Beauties have gone through the same um, crisis in a sense. So we can see examples of the distortion of beauty with the body, okay, mainly through pornography and immodesty. And I'm not going to talk about that too much because it has already been addressed this weekend, but I do just want to say that um, a distortion of, of the body is often like the first step to um, kind of distorting the beauty of the interior, okay? So, for example, um, pornography really does encourage um, those who view it to, to start to see someone as an object, okay? And obviously a modesty, like like especially for the ladies, like we are so much more than a collection of body parts and we need to dress in a way that presents that. Um, so when we start to see the distortion of beauty, now it's the distortion of a good thing, right? Pornography and immodesty, okay? St. John Paul II says it's not that it reveals too much of someone, it's that it reveals too little of their person, of their beauty, Okay? Um, then the distortion of the soul, this all links on to hedonism and vanity. So hedonism is this like over-obsessed desire for pleasure, okay? It's disordered. It's like it's all about me. It's the I, you know, culture. It's all about my pleasure and I'm going to do whatever it takes or I'm going to, you know, use you for whatever, in whatever way I need to achieve my, my own pleasure. Um, and vanity, okay? What does vanity do? It makes us look at ourselves, okay? And the sad image I'm going to use here is the Caravaggio's narcissist. Has anyone heard of 
Narciss, Narciss, um, Narciss, Narciss, is that right? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Sorry, I couldn't get it. Um, that example, okay. Now, for anyone who doesn't know that Greek myth, um, this was a young man who was so in love with himself um, that he was looking at his reflection in the water and I think he tried to, to kiss, kiss it or something and he actually fell into the, the lake and drowned, right? Horrible story here, but deep, deep message of the self-destruction that can happen when we focus too much on ourselves, okay? So we have to, like Pope Benedict said, is that beauty look, helps us look beyond, beyond ourselves, okay? So we have to identify, like name and shame and move on, okay? So this is kind of some of the culture that we see at the moment, but Lord save me. And what an amazing image, right? This is painted, it's a, he's a Korean painter. Does anyone know where this is from in the gospel? What's he doing? He's pulling Peter out. When Peter took his eyes off Christ and he started to drown, he yelled out, Lord, save me. And this is what we call out now. Lord, save us. Look at the distortion of beauty around us. And what does Jesus say? Immediately. Not, oh, just hang on a second, let me finish my cup of coffee. It's immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get very down and start to be very tempted to despair that this culture or these understandings or, you know, why do I bother trying to talk to my non-practicing, you know, family or cousins or whatever about this truth because, you know, they don't get it. They think I'm a freak. Why should I bother? And it's like, well, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why are we doubting God's mercy and his goodness? Um, sorry, that was to me. I wasn't, wasn't saying you, you're doing that. Like I do it all the time. It's like, no, like, we have to believe that he's going to pull us out like he pulled Peter out of this mess, okay, and he's going to realign us and, and help us. And um, that, that's a beautiful, beautiful promise that he gives us. And look at the painting too. I haven't put these, these images up for no reason, like, if, if art is a way that really draws you, like I know for me, when I'm praying, if I have a, like a beautiful artwork in front of me, I'm just so much, I'm so much more inspired. Um, for some people, it might not make a difference, but art can really speak to us. And I've never seen a more beautiful crucifix than the one in your cathedral. It is a beautiful crucifix. I noticed it this morning in mass. Just beautiful. All right. So we're getting here to a very important part of the talk and we're going to try and really draw this all together. Um, So we've looked a lot at this idea of beauty, but now we're moving into how it links to theology of the body and really essentially what it's all building up to. So hopefully I've set a good foundation for you to be able to receive where this talk is going to end. Um, I want to look at Mother Teresa, okay, or Saint Teresa of Calcutta. But first, let's have a look from Pope Benedict again. Beauty is one of mankind's greatest needs. Beauty is one of mankind's greatest needs. It's by Pope. Now, when I first saw this, I was like very surprised that a Pope would say that. Okay, out of all the things I think that the world needs, I didn't really, wouldn't have put beauty in like the top 10. Now I understand 
But when I first heard it, I was like, oh, beauty? Like, what about, what about food, Pope Benedict? Like, there's a lot of starving people, like, you know? But there is truth to this, okay? They have the beauty purpose. Yeah, purpose. Be hope for life. It's not only about your outside. It's everything you aim for uh, to be perfect, to be beautiful. Awesome. It, yeah, it's about the, the inside as well. Thank you very much, Mia. That's exactly right. So, um, and then coming back, beauty will save the world. Remember I said we're going to keep coming back. By the way, you guys are doing awesome. Okay, this is very heavy stuff. So I can see some, some really switched on eyes and just I'm really trying to receive this. It's good. Um, but it, it's so important. So you're right. Exactly. I want to touch on what Mia was just saying that so many people focus on the exterior. Okay. So many people focus on the exterior. Um, you know, is, is that egg organic? Is it free range? You know, here's my kale smoothie. You know, I'm going for my jog at 5 a.m. because I'm very into fitness and oh, I'd have to be totally crazy to do that anyway. But sorry if anyone runs at 5 a.m. You do, Jamil? You have? Okay. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I wish I had that motivation. But, um, you know, we're so focused on or our culture. is so focused on what's going into our bodies um, in a physical sense. But, yeah, it might make us look good on the exterior, but... True beauty comes from within. So are we focusing on what's going into our, into our souls? Okay. Now, we know that our eyes are often referred to as the window of our soul. So what, is, what are we watching? What are we listening to? You know, how, where is our heart's disposition? How are we thinking about people? You know, how are we speaking about people? All of these things. We should be more focused on what's coming um, into our souls and into our hearts, Okay. Um, and that will help cultivate that interior beauty. So thank you. Um, that's really, really important. Now, many people, when asked who is the most beautiful woman in the world, for some reason, immediately think Mother Teresa. Has anyone thought that or been asked that before? Yeah? Dora, you can, you can talk. Yeah? Yes? Okay. So it's funny. If you ask someone who's the most beautiful person in the world, a lot of people say Mother Teresa. Okay, now I wouldn't exactly call Mother Teresa a supermodel, you know, never seen photos of her on the runway, but what is it about her that makes her the most beautiful woman in the world? And I would argue that it is her, the fact that she has made a complete gift of herself. Okay, so let's just take everything we've spoken about beauty Okay, understanding it, seeing how God speaks to us, cultivating that interior beauty. Yes, there's nothing wrong with the exterior, but we've got to focus on the interior. Taking all of that, okay, and now look at the example of Mother Teresa, how she totally, you know, gave her life to God, made herself a gift to everyone, okay, and, you know, this little woman from Albania, now she's the face, she's the identity of India, a whole nation who looked to her because of her example <coughs> of self-gift and sacrifice. Okay, and that's what we associate with beauty. Is that what our culture says? No, but that's what our hearts recognise, right? Yeah, 
it's being pierced right now by the example of Mother Teresa. I know mine is. Um, beauty incarnate. We see beauty, okay? We see, and we're going to get to how she imaged Christ in a moment, but that, that to me is just, sorry, I've got no words for that. I'm no words. So this idea of self-sacrifice, being beautiful, forget what the culture says for a moment about beauty, just forget about it. The idea that beauty is total self-sacrifice. Is there anything more beautiful in the world than the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? the most horrific experience human person has ever gone through. It was bloody. It was, it was gruesome. It was full of hatred. Yet the most beautiful thing in the world was a man totally giving himself for what he loved. The the cross is the school of love. It's where we learn every virtue and it's where we see beauty. It's beautiful suffering. One of my favorite saints, Saint Gianna Beretta Mola, she um, is another example of sacrifice. I encourage you to look, look her up if you haven't heard of her. She gave her life for her fourth child and was canonized um, in 2004. And she said that, You cannot love without suffering and you cannot suffer without loving. The two are interchangeable. Now, how many of us associate beauty with suffering? Okay, let's go back to Mother Teresa for a second. I'm sure I could speak for all of us right here, right now. (coughs) We are so, so inspired. Okay, so inspired. We, we know that's truth. We know that's how, what we're called to. That's how we're supposed to live our lives in complete service and sacrifice to others. Okay, but when push comes to shove, how many of us want to do it? How many of us want to give up our own comfort out of service and love for another? Yeah, we want to do it, but it's like every, you know, our human nature is like, no, I don't want to suffer. But we're called to that. Okay, now it's 10 times harder because, you know, our culture is going down this hedonistic, vain path. So it's even harder to push against that tide. But we've got to keep fighting. Like I'm, I think it was Pope Francis. He said, you've got to swim against the tide. You know, it's like a dead fish just goes with the stream. We are not dead fish, right? We are those salmon who are jumping up the other way, fighting the stream. We have to. Okay, Lord, save me. It's like immediately he's there. He will pull us out when we get tempted or when we get stuck. But we've got to let this torrent of beauty wash over us. We've got to let him guide. Okay, when we push against God, then we've got problems. Okay, pushing against the the culture, we've got Jesus. Jesus already triumphed. We can't be afraid of that. Okay, we cannot be afraid to suffer for him. So this is where the way of beauty meets the way of the cross. 
Okay, the way beauty meets the way of the cross. There is nothing more beautiful than the crucifixion. If that's like not sitting very well with you, I understand that that's, an, that's a difficult concept to, to grapple with. But, but I encourage you, please do. There's a lot in that. There's a lot that we can learn from that. Now, beauty is a vocation. Okay, now a vocation, as we know, is a calling. Okay, and God is calling every single one of us. Every single one of us in this room have the vocation, have the call, have God calling us to heaven, to him. Right, that is our vocation. St. Teresa, little flower, said my vocation is love. Okay, so before our, you know, our vocation of marriage or religious life or priesthood or consecrated single life, there is first and foremost a vocation to be a saint, the vocation to be one with God in heaven, to experience the beatific vision, that total communion that we long for, that our hearts are screaming for, that cry of the heart, Lord, like there's got to be more. I was made for more. You all, we all are. I'm made for infinite bliss in heaven. So this idea of beauty is a vocation. Like God is saying, like, open your eyes. Like I'm all around you. You know how many times have I, you know, sat down, Lord, have you abandoned me? Lord, where are you? And like all I have to do is look outside at a leaf, right? Like he's there. Look, I just have to watch the sunrise. Okay, he's, he's there. He's around us all the time. And I love this image. Look at it. It's like this little flower is open, totally open and receptive to receiving the grace from the sun. Or, the, you know, I know, I know a flower doesn't receive grace, but you know what I mean? It's like we need to be, our hearts need to be this little flower that's open to receiving the grace from the sun, from God, okay, so that we can blossom, so that we can bloom. Okay, now this really hit me in prayer this morning. Don't really know where it came from, but Padre Pio, okay, um, he received the stigmata. For anyone who doesn't know what the stigmata is, it's the wounds from Christ. Okay, so some, some saints have received this stigmata, have received the wounds from uh, wounds of Christ, um, and Padre Pio was one of them. Okay, um, now there's a story. There's many stories of Padre Pio for those of you who have who have heard about him or, or know about him. If you haven't, you can read up. There's some amazing stories attributed to Saint Padre Pio, but he actually. Um, there's one particular story that came to me in prayer this morning and he, um, he was known for having stigmata and he was also known as being an amazing confessor and was even given the gift of being able to read souls. Um, and there was many, many, many conversions that came about that and people would come. He was in a town called San Giovanni Rotondo in the south of Italy and many people would travel just to meet Padre Pio and just to have him hear their confession. And there was one particular unbelieving man who was very um, sceptical of this man, Padre Pio, who wore these gloves because he claimed to have the stigmata of Christ. Um, and he went up to Padre Pio a little bit, you know, a little bit righteous and a little bit, had a bit of anger in his heart. And he went up to Padre Pio and he goes, show me your wounds. Okay, he would have said it in Italian, but I can't speak Italian. So he said, show me your wounds. And Padre Pio just, just looked at him. And the man said, I want to see your wounds. Show me your wounds. And Padre Pio looked at him and said, you show me your wounds. 
Like, you, you show me your wounds. And this story just like struck me when I heard it because it's like we all have wounds. We are all carrying wounds around. And I think that God gives some holy people physical wounds to remind us of some of the internal wounds that we're all carrying around. So where does this way of beauty meet the way of the cross? It's when we delve into that suffering, those wounds that we may have, that we may experience, that we may be carrying around. Okay? Now, you have to remember, I'm getting a little bit ahead here, but that's okay. We proclaim a crucified Christ. Okay? Jesus, his wounds were glorified. It was only through the crucifixion that the resurrection could happen. Okay, it's only through wearing that crown of martyrdom that we can um, experience the, the, the glory of a life lived for Christ. Okay, again, let's go back to Mother Teresa. The suffering she must have gone through. The total humility she had to leave herself behind and focus completely on the other. Okay, but look at the glory that came from that. Look at the love that she was able to bring to a whole nation. Okay, so, you know, let's not be afraid of our wounds. Let's let them be the, the um, path to, to God, to understanding our dignity. Okay, we're almost there. Okay, interesting. Let, let's link these two again. This is St. Francis. Okay, many, many years before Padre Pio. He also received the stigmata. And you know what he cried out when he received the stigmata? Imagine the pain of experiencing the wounds of Christ. What did he yell out? Oh, beauty, Lord, you are beauty. Okay, that ecstasy of being so united in his suffering with the Lord. Amazing. Okay, when we, when we direct our suffering or allow Lord into, the Lord into our wounds, amazing, beautiful things can come from that. And look at the fruit that St. Francis bore, okay? He's incredible. Okay, so I've got that quote there. We proclaim a crucified Christ. And I love Caravaggio. He's one of my favorite painters, and this is one of his, and it's called The Doubting Thomas, and many of you may have seen it before. But look at it. I know it's a little gruesome for some of you maybe, but there's so much power in it. And what is he doing? Thomas doubted. Thomas doubted the resurrection. Like, no, Lord, like, like, I don't believe you would have risen. You, you, You show me. And what does Christ do? He directs, he directs his, his finger into the, the wound in his side. You know, like immediately, here I am. You can believe. You know, so let us echo that, that prayer like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Beautiful, okay? So we proclaim a crucified Christ. There is, we shouldn't be afraid of our wounds, okay? Just let Christ in and he will do amazing things with them. Um, so, again, just want to highlight the beauty of the crucifixion, the beauty of, of self-giving love. Um, and this image was actually painted by one of, my, one of my very good friends. If you want to know, see more, she does a lot of sacred art. Her website is visualgrace.org and she's got amazing paintings. It's all based on theology of the body. If we look at this Christ hanging on the cross, Mary at the foot, um, and then this see the heart at the root. 
Okay, it's just beautiful. And then the little little flower is a sign of, of hope, the hope that is to come. Okay, so no matter what we're going through, no matter what um, what um, sacrifice or, or anything that we feel like we've, we've had to make or we are making, like there is always the hope of the glory of the resurrection and God will do amazing things through our suffering. We just can't be afraid to unite the way of beauty and the way of the cross. Now, I've been contemplating this for many, many years and I still am. Okay, so perhaps you want to write it down and just really think about it. Beauty produces suffering and suffering produces beauty. Beauty produces suffering and suffering produces beauty. Now, the stigmata, okay, like this ache of this is, this is so beautiful, but it's not enough and there's a suffering that comes with that. And it's like the closer that we get to contemplating the infinite, the deeper that ache becomes, right? The more we love, the more that we're in touch with this idea that we can never be fully satisfied on earth and that brings about a great suffering, right? St. Teresa of Avila, she was a, a mystic and she experienced this um, kind of ecstatic union with God. Like she was, she was so lost in prayer and just um, was so united to God that she like prayed to die. She was like, I don't want to live not experiencing this union with God. You know, like that ache, that, that, that suffering. And again, if some of this is really foreign to you, that's okay. Like this is a journey. The way of beauty is a journey. Um, this is really deep, heavy stuff. So don't be afraid of it. But beauty produces suffering and suffering produces beauty. Um, I don't know why, but I really feel like I need to say this. The, one of the closest examples that I can think of, and not that I know from experience, but one of the closest examples I can think of um, aside from the crucifixion, to kind of think about that is, is childbirth, is new life, okay? So this idea that um, through the suffering, something so beautiful can come, okay? And it's worth it. And that's the thing, suffering, it's, it's worth it for the beauty that is to come. And that was just one example, but there's many, many examples, Um yeah, so just take that, take, really just take that, that to prayer, that idea that the crucifixion is something so um, beautifully sacrificial. So again, revisiting. What does beauty have to do with theology of the body? I hope that this all kind of makes a bit more sense now. Beauty in God's creation. The more we understand God's creation and the meaning and the purpose behind it, the more that we can be in touch with the, um, the beauty of ourselves, okay, and he who created us. We can unite our senses and desires to the divine, okay? We're more in touch with that ache, that longing, okay? Um, don't be afraid to, like, sit and contemplate a rose or a flower. Like, that's why flowers are so beautiful. They're so – and you think about it, like, what is the purpose of a flower? Really mainly to bring beauty, Right? But then I thought about it. I'm like, then we also have, you know, bees who take the pollen and make honey, and that is amazing. So, especially down in Tasmania, I hear your honey is pretty good. I have to try it out. So, um, there's purpose to everything, okay? And beauty comes from everything. Hopefully, you understand the third point much better now, okay? Beauty in sacrifice, which is needed to love, all right? Um, and the theology of the body is essentially about human love, identity, and vocation. So, what's our purpose? Okay, why did God create us? What are we made for? Where are we headed? Is the life we're living leading us to what we truly long for? 
Now, this idea. Um, perhaps this grabs you, perhaps it doesn't. It's okay if it doesn't, but this speaks to me so deeply. This idea of further up and further in. There are things around us that are leading us to God all the time. And God is always inviting us, always speaking in the silence of our heart if we're listening to go further up and further in, to get closer and closer and closer to him so that we can eventually, if we live lives that are you know, directed towards him, lives of virtue and really strive to, to be humble and little and journey closer to him, then we will experience all of the deepest desires of our heart will be fulfilled. So together, let us start this ascent um, and let us take with us these words. This world in which we live needs beauty in order not to sink into despair. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart and is that precious fruit which resists the erosion of time. Resist the erosion of time. Beauty pierces, beauty captivates. Let it arrest your heart. Let it ravish you, which unites generations and enables them to be one in admiration. And all this through the work of your hands. Remember that you are the custodians of beauty in the world. Okay, all of us have the invitation and the capacity to bring God's beauty to the world, to all of those that we encounter. So I'll leave it there. Please, um, you can like us on Facebook as well and follow us on Twitter. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask now or email, I'd be very happy to answer. But let us just let that torrent of beauty wash over us, pray with some things and just really um, touch into that deep desire that you have for beauty and for the infinite. So thank you very much. That was Madeline Vella with The Way of Beauty from the Restore Weekend in Hobart, Tasmania. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.